This is an AMI podcast. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast was produced and hosted on the unceded ancestral and traditional lands of the Squamish, the Musqueam, and the Tsleil-Waututh peoples. I feel honored to live, to work, and to play on these lands. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Accessing Art with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Amanti. My pronouns are she, hers. My guest today is a bundle of energy, and you will gravitate to her right off the bat. I certainly know you will, because I did. She brings a real shimmy to her work as a drag queen. So without further ado, I think we should just jump right on in and welcome Shayla Shenanigans, who joins us from her home in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Hi, I'm Shayla Shenanigans, professional drag queen of 22 years. I'm visually blind, but I'm fabulous with a big old mouth on me. So welcome, Shayla, to the podcast. Really excited to be talking to you. Um, Thank you. I have to admit, I'm a bit fan shocked. Is that a thing? Celebrity shocked? I don't know if that's a thing. Well, it is. A lot of straight (laughs) girls come up to me and they're like, wow, you look so good. And Uh, some of their boyfriends do too, and I don't mind that. Oh, I just, I love it so much. And I first saw you on an AMI interview on on AMI-TV and I was like, this is just cool people. So I, I reached out and poked you, and here you are on Access. You know, I love getting poked, especially from 3,000 miles away. Oh, my goodness. Get that reacher. Go, go, gadget hand, darling. That's right. Joining us all the way from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yes. So give us a little bit of background, Shayla, because I have so many things. We have such a limited amount of time together. But mm-hmm. I want to know about, so you talk about living with legal blindness and low vision. And so, like, tell us what that's like in your world, because it's different for everybody, right? Yeah, so when I was 15, I started doing drag, and I am 37 now, so going on 23 years. And in 2008, I was diagnosed with an eye disease called keratoconus. Uh, some of our listeners would know what that is. And uh, I've had multiple surgeries, lots of problems. I've had two implants as well. I currently still have stitches in my eye, just a bunch oh. of crap. And I can't see out of my left eye at all. I've lost 100% vision. Mm-hmm. My right eye, I have about 30 to 40% visual. So I always tell people, like, I have to come up to you really, really close, like nose to nose, if I want to see what you look like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I always joke with my audience. I, I say, look, folks, I'm legally blind. But on the plus side, you are the most beautiful audience I've ever seen. <laughs> I, use, I use something very similar when I'm doing stuff in my own acting yes. world, right? Which is kind of like, you know, the whole thing about picturing everybody in their underwear? Well, I don't see yeah. anyway. So. <laughs> I told my mom I was coming on this show today. She said, well, you do have a face for radio, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom, for keeping me humble. <laughs> Good old standby, the face for radio. The face for radio. So you jumped into drag at the age of 15. So I'm so I curious. Did. Why? drag like how did you find that so drag actually saved my life so when I was 15 years old I was discovering my sexuality and it was extremely difficult for me to be around other people like I I I really like closed in on myself you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and I just boxed everybody away and then I tried to commit suicide when I was 15 there is a trigger warning here for folks Mm -hmm. we are talking about suicide. I tried to commit suicide when I was 15 and I was referred to a center here in Halifax called the Youth Project. And it is a center for queer youth. 
And there I discovered the art of drag and I didn't understand what it was at the time. And we're talking, I think this was 1999 and I got into drag one time and I didn't want to get out of it. I got on stage and people clapped for me. I got applause. I got love and acceptance that I never had in my life before. I never had somebody say, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Or, oh my goodness, that was so good. Or you're so talented or you're this. I never got the accolades or the love. So I was kind of hooked then and it was my therapy. And after about a year of therapy, I didn't need therapy anymore because drag was that extension. Right. So when I tell people drag can save a life, I really genuinely mean that. Kids who have a problem being bullied or have low self-esteem, once you get up on stage and you look fabulous and you can tear a stage up and you can entertain an entire audience, that does wonders for someone's soul. And it really can save a life. So that's why I started drag, just because I wanted to live. And now, 23 years later, I've made it into a career. I'm so in love with the art of drag. I think I am an inner drag queen myself. I've never been able to, air quotes, give it a try. But I'd love to, like, see, now I need to just come out to Halifax and you need to transform me. Um, <laughs> well, something you actually fabulous. have tons of a fabulous drag queens on the West Coast. But I want to reiterate something that you had just mentioned. You said, I would like to try drag. You know. Yeah, um, I was worried you, about this. Well, the thing is, and RuPaul always says this, RuPaul is a very famous drag queen. If you mm-hmm. folks don't know who RuPaul is, Wikipedia her. She is the host of RuPaul's Drag Race and is a legend. But she always says, everyone is born naked and the rest is drag. Oh, and it's I love true. That. When you put on a host coat, you're in drag. Whatever you use to, se- to describe yourself and express yourself, that is drag. So if you see an old lady with oh. pink hair and a leopard you know, print jacket. That's her drag. That is what she uses to describe herself. And most men don't put on a wig and makeup, but that's what drag is. And for some of our listeners out there, I would just like to let them know what drag is. The term drag, D-R-A-G, started in Shakespearean times because women were not allowed to be in the theater. So men had to dress as women. So on the roster, and when you would read the script, it would say Timothy. And the acronym right next to Timothy's name would say D-R-A-G. Timothy dressed as a girl. (gasps) Right? So back then, that's when drag really kind of took off. And and so we kind of evolved from there. Thank you for that. I had no idea. That's where drag that's started. That's where the word came from. Oh my that's gosh, where that's the, incredible. That's where drag started because drag has been going on for thousands and right, times of course. since the Stone Age. Somebody can find a hula skirt and put that on and girl, yeah. you're working it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Make that fire. Work for those coconut shells, girl. But, <laughs> I, can, I can imagine the caveman yes, hunting down dinosaurs that way. The first drag queen caveman. Oh my goodness. I bet you she didn't shave her back. That's for sure. <laughs> Oh my God, there's a webisode in there somewhere. There is caveman drag queens. Yes, ma'am. So tell us, Shayla, for yourself. Um, so I, what, I don't know. Do you have a favorite way that you dress? Or I, I'm, I'm so curious if you could describe what your persona is for us. Well, my full drag name is Shayla Shenanigans. And well, my full middle name is also Shayla, the queen of comedy shenanigans. And I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm also a writer of comedy. My kind of drag is camp slash comedy slash 
very out there and in your face and kind of shock comedy not being too too vulgar i used to be very very vulgar we would call that blue comedy where you would like go past the edges i try to stay within them now because i try not to offend very many people but i love i love vulgar comedy like nasty gutter trash humor it's my favorite and then physically if if people don't know they've never seen or been in the space of a drag queen what what does that what does that look like well, first of all, if you ever come in contact with a drag queen, never touch their hair or their face. They will bite you. <laughs> you know what? We we as drag queens always say uh, drag queens are very COVID friendly. We've always preferred you stay six feet away from us. <laughs> uh, we're far from cute, but cute from far. So, um, yeah. So with drag queens, if you ever see a drag queen going up, uh, always start with a compliment oh my darling you look gorgeous tonight that's always a really good icebreaker a compliment is always good or a drink if you really really want to talk to a drag queen offer to buy her a drink that is the best compliment you can do for a drag queen we all love alcohol i swear i know right i think before we even started recording you said you work for drink tickets you work for drinks you know what? When I first started doing drag i would get maybe 20 bucks and a drink ticket and i was happy mm-hmm. yeah i know <laughs> Back in the day when, uh, I mean, I, I feel the same way sometimes as an artist. It's like I would be doing acting gigs that you wouldn't get paid for. But at the end of the day, if they gave you a meal, you were like, yes, I know why I do this work. Oh, craft services <laughs> table paid for my whole college experience. I'm telling you. That's right. That's right. Um, so tell me, Shayla, about, you know, when you perform, when you do drag, obviously there's an attire to it, but there's, I don't know, are you performing to song? Are you dancing? Are you like, what does that show look like? So there's lots of different types of drag. There are drag queens uh, that do camp drag that sing live. There's some that lip sync. There's some that do spoken word. I use puppets. So I do a, yeah, I'm an impersonator. So I am probably one of the most famous I Love Lucy impersonators in Canada. We've put the link to my website in the description. So anyone that would like to go see the website, uh, you can see all of my impersonations that I do. I do Judy Garland, uh, Liza Minnelli. I do Julie Andrews, uh, Little Orphan Annie, a lot of movie stars. I like to take a character and develop it and bring it to life. That's my favorite thing about drag is someone to come into the audience and say, oh my goodness, that's my favorite movie. Or, oh, I love that TV episode of Carol Burnett. Oh my goodness, she's doing Gone with the Wind. You know what I mean? Like, I love taking people back. And do you find that that makes uh, like audience members who, I, I, mean, I don't know, I don't know how this works, but I, 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 I guess my, my thought process is, and you're going to tell me if I'm wrong and I'm totally open to that, but my thought process is, is that folks that like drag purposely go to shows, right? Like the uh, followings oh, and yes. fans. But I, do you ever find that there are people in your audience that like stumble across you by accident and then they're like, wait, what did I get myself into? And then when you, of course, you've got these perfo- personas, like you say, it's, yeah. you know, it's maybe like a, I don't know, like a comfortable entry point to somebody who's not used to that experience. I'll actually tell you a funny story since you (laughs) said people who stumble in. So we did a drag show three or four years ago. I think it was 2017 here in Halifax. And these two elderly people came into the gay bar and they were like in their 80s and they were celebrating their 50 year anniversary. (laughs) And they sat down at this restaurant that I was doing a show at and ordered their meal and stuff and halfway through they realized they were in the wrong restaurant because when they came in they said you know this is our reservation for our anniversary and they're like oh you know 
you don't need a reservation. They're like, oh, that's weird. But they sat down anyways and yeah. had their anniversary dinner. And then the drag queens come out and perform. And the two elderly people came up to us at the end because I had done I Love Lucy. And the lady came out and she's like, I remember seeing that live on ABC in the 60s. Oh, my goodness. And it was so nostalgic. And the two elderly people, they said it was one of the greatest anniversaries they've ever had. But it was so nostalgic. And it was such an, like an accident that it happened. And then they came back like a month or two later just because they enjoyed the show so much. So I love when people accidentally stumble upon what we're doing because it it's such a great eye opener. When you're performing, do you find that living with low vision presents a barrier? And if so, like what are they and how have you, you know, managed to accommodate your you know, change what you do or change the stage? I don't know. I as an actor myself, there are lots of like am I gonna fall off the edge? Where, yeah. where you know, where are my marks? Those kind of things. So what's that like for you? So that's a great question. I get that a lot. How do I adapt? Well, I'm a chameleon. So I go into a space. The first thing I do is I look at, okay, where are the stairs? Where's the railing? The railing, the stairs are your friend. Then I always pack fluorescent tape and I keep it in my suitcase next to my drag. So if it's a venue I've never been to, I'll just take a little bit of fluorescent tape and I'll put it on the edge. Or I'll take a, you know, those little tea light light up candles. I'll put one of those on the edge of, of the stage and I can see it flickering. So I know if I get too close to it, I'm going to burn myself or fall off. (laughs) So those are little tricks that I've done. But if it's a regular venue that I work in, I pretty much know, okay, it's 10 feet deep. The stage is 20 feet wide. I can do a shimmy, shimmy, cocoa puff to the left about eight feet. I, Mm -hmm. so I do the math in my head as I'm performing. There are a couple times where I have fallen off of a stage. Luckily, a lot of the stages I perform on are only like a foot or two feet high. I haven't really fallen off anything that's like 10 feet high and injured myself. Mm -hmm. So it's just like slipping on a step or something like that. But I've gotten really good at working my accidents and my slips and slides into my number. And people actually now feel like I do them on purpose. They're like, you you slipped and fell on purpose. I was like, no, I just know how to recover it really well. And I make it campy and I'll take out like a little flask out of my purse and I pretend that I'm drunk. <laughs> so so there's little things that drag queens can do. Like if you miss the words, you can just pretend that you're doing a shot. Or if you, right. your wig falls off, you can pretend that you're stumbling. Like there's little recovery things that we as drag queens do. Do you ever perform for like audiences of of people who are blind or partially sighted? Like, do you do described drag or? I actually have. Yes, I definitely had. I did a fundraiser for CNI Dogs for the Blind, and they had somebody that would talk over and say what I was doing. Um, But the great thing about performing for people who have like 100% loss that can't see me, they can hear the music, and then I'll come up and I let them know before I perform. If you would like me to interact with you, put your hand up. And so if I see somebody with their hand up while I'm walking through the crowd, I'll put my hand on their hand and maybe like I'll shimmy up to them and I'll shimmy with them and they'll feel my vibe and they'll feel my energy and a smile just takes over their face. So that's my favorite thing to do. When you get that vibe in your body, that energy that you just can't contain, and you can get that as a performer or as an audience member, but that is like, that's like the gold moment, right? That's, yeah. oh, it's what I live for as a performer, but also as an audience member. I know if I'm sitting in an audience and I'm 
not feeling that, then something's yeah. not quite right. <laughs> the, the thing about drag is it's a very visual, it's a visual art, 100%. Yeah. However, I kind of, ha- I'm like a, I have tricks of many trades, darling. I'm also a stand-up comedian. So if I have somebody in my audience who is visually impaired, then I will make sure that my comedy is more so than my drag. So instead of performing four or five times, I'll only perform three times, and then I'll add an extra 10 minutes of stand-up comedy so that I know everybody is getting their ticket for it. I'm a people pleaser. I make sure everybody in my audience is happy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, you are the ultimate professional. I can tell that right oh, off the bat. Oh, thank you, darling. You're so um, I know. Listen, listen, I am booking a ticket to Halifax the minute this pandemic thing allows me to like travel the way I want to. Oh, honey, you get your ass here. We will I'm put coming. you up. Yes. Yes. Um, this is, I, I think, actually, um, I'll have to do an Accessing Art with Amy tour because I've yeah. actually told many of my artists that I am coming to them, whether they're in uh, Ireland or Australia or Nova Scotia, I'm coming. <laughs> well, I was supposed to be in Vancouver, actually, 2019, right before the pandemic, and I, I postponed my trip. I was like, you know what, I'll go next year. And then two months later, COVID happened. I was like, well, there goes that idea. So when I come out to Vancouver, I'll let you know. <laughs> awesome. 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 I'm so excited about that too. Cool stuff. I mean, I I really, I love your energy, Shayla. I love being Aww, in the so space with you. It's so lovely. Um, as a stand-up comedian, I'm wondering if you have any like favorite jokes or even what your process is around creating jokes. I did a little stand-up comedy once and I, yeah. I found it so difficult, even though there's kind of a formula. I just, I, I couldn't think of things, but how, how do you navigate that? Well, I love to tell stories. So I'll tell you one of my stories that I tell on the microphone. And the best part about comedy and stories is to tell it from a point of truth and um, add in visual aids to it. But I'm going to just tell you this story. And I tell this at my shows a lot. So I was doing a drag show in 2014 and I come home and hopefully this isn't too bad but I had a few drinks I might have had about 15 drinks so I was completely inebriated I come home I stumble in I'm in full drag I come into the kitchen and my chihuahua learns that oh damn she's drunk stay out of her way because I'm a Tasmanian devil when I come in the house like I like it is a wreck in my path and I get home and my chihuahua is like oh dear god and runs off and um, I'm taking everything off and then I put my underwear on that was on my bed and I go into the toilet to pee. I had to sit down because at that point I can't even stand up and I'm looking down at my underwear and in my underwear, there's worms. I am not even kidding. I'm looking down. There's three worms and they're wiggling around. I'm, and I know, honey, I, I was beside myself and I was like, where are these worms from? So I was like, you know what? It's three in the morning. I'm going to Nancy Drew this shit. I'm going to figure out where the hell are these worms coming from? So the first thing that came to my mind is like, my dog gave me worms. So at three in the morning, I am naked, running around my house, drunk as a skunk, trying to chase a chihuahua. I finally catch up to her, pick her up. I check her butt. And at that time, when I check her butt, she goes, And I'm like, okay, calm down. So there's no worms in her butt. And I couldn't believe where these worms came from. So I go to bed and I'm like, you know what? I'll figure out how I got worms in the morning. Hmm. I go to bed and all over my bed, there's like a hundred worms all wiggling around. And my drunk ass is screaming. It's like a horror show. And then I look at my chihuahua and then I look at the floor and I 
and I see a styrofoam takeout container of that I ordered Chinese food three days earlier. She had gone into the garbage, pulled it out, and ate everything except for the chow mein. And I was so drunk. I thought the chow mein were worms with those little fiddleheads. I was weak. I was, I was convinced I had worms at three in the morning, but it was just Chinese food all over my bed. And that is the story of when I got worms. Oh, oh gosh. I'm going to have to process that one. That's, Shayla, that's awesome. So, thank you. So when I tell that story, I tell a lot of stories like that of things that have happened to me, uh, blind adventures. I tell a lot of stories like that. And some people don't know where I'm going with the story. So they're like, oh, but telling stories and being a comedian you really have to hold people's hands and you have to take them down. But if you can really get an audience on your side early on in your set, early on in your show, they will forgive you for your little missteps. And they're very forgiven that way. That's what I found with comedy. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's been kind of my experience, both being in an audience, right. Just as you yeah. say, listening to somebody and, and sometimes not everything people say is like super hilariously funny, but it's relatable. Right. And then you're like, Oh yes, I totally get where you're going with that. When I have an audience and if it's a mainly an older crowd, then I know, okay, I can use those types of jokes. And if I find if there's young kids, okay, I need the booger and fart jokes because <laughs> you know, the sophisticated homeowners insurance fraud jokes aren't going to go over. Gonna go over. That's, <laughs> no. right. That's right. Mommy, yeah. what's fraud insurance? <laughs> yeah. And why was she arrested? <laughs> I always joke with the audience. I was like, oh, if my parole officer could see me now. I'm just kidding, folks. I don't have a parole officer because they haven't caught me yet. <laughs> it's one of my there's little a, go-to lines. There's a great one. I love that. Yeah. That's a great one. I mean, it's it's just so much fun to be with you in a space because of this energy. I mean, I, I it's, it's oozing out of me already just being with you. So Oozing? You I'm sure there's a cream for that, darling. <laughs> Yes, uh, over the counter or prescription medicated. I'm you have me at yeah, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Let's transition a bit into playing a, a mixed bag game. You want to play? Let's do a mixed bag game. I love it. Okay. I got three questions for you. We always say it's about 25 seconds, but the truth is we just do what we need Drag to do. Drag queens do whatever they want. That's what are you going right. to do? Fire us? That's exactly. That's right. Um, no, well, you know that that big old metal hook that they used to put on the stage to yank people off? That's that's what we got on radio, too. Just kidding. Oh, um, I call that a French tickler, darling. French tickler. That's foreplay for me. Look that at that hook. Our... Yes, darling. All right, let's do this. Well, to the food question, the first question is, what's your favorite snack food? Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, honey, I would pack that up in a little styrofoam container, Jake Gyllenhaal. You know what I always say to people, and we're going to continue with this, but uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was in the movie Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback yes. Mountain is literally, for the gay community, the fakest movie in Hollywood. You know why? Why? Because no gay guy would ever bottom with after eating beans. Did you see that scene? <laughs> they ate beans and then they had sex. There's no way no gay man no would ever happening. have anal sex after eating beans. That's not going to happen. <laughs> good point. Very good right. point. Next Ella. question. Okay. If you could be any animal in the world, which one would you be? And why? There's got to be a why to that. 
Oh, I would probably be a sloth just because they're lazy as hell. And I'm just such a workaholic. So I think it'd be nice just to sit on a branch, eat eucalyptus and throw your feces at people. <laughs> I actually never thought about that. Well, maybe, or a monkey. Oh, I love, I would love to throw feces at people and you don't get put down. You don't get in any trouble. People just laugh at you for doing it. I would love to throw my feces at people and get away with it. Monkeys are awesome. Monkeys are awesome, but I'm actually really resonating with this idea of having just a slow-moving life. Yeah, a sloth or a monkey. And I like being up in a tree because I'm a very visual person, even though I'm visually blind. I like to watch people. Yeah. I'm a people watcher. And I like to observe people. I work it into my comedy. But yeah, I just want to be a monkey or a sloth just so that I can throw feces at people. I have to admit, just as as you're talking about being a people watcher, because I I lost my own sight when I was about 24 years old. So I went from being a sighted person to a non-sighted person. Okay. Uh, and it's one of the things I miss the most. Because um, I don't have quite enough sight to be able to watch anybody in any kind of detail. And I'm always thinking, oh my gosh, they think I'm staring at them. Because I'm trying and to make sure. And now you're a hearing people person. So oh, now you have yes. to wait for the farts and the flatulence. It's like, That's oh, right. I see That's you. Right. It's, it's, it's a whole other different way of interpreting the world, right? And and, and people, air quotes, people watching. And so. do you notice now that we're visually impaired more that we hear people chew louder? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I see my dad take out the cashews. I'm like, you better, dear God, get away from me. (laughs) It is funny how much I notice the the eating sounds that I never did before. Even my own, if I'm honest. (laughs) Okay, Shayla, the last, you know, like, it's so random when you you mentioned Brokeback Mountain, because my my last question was, what's your favorite movie? Which I know is not necessarily Brokeback Mountain. It's not. already mentioned the movie, but so have you got a favorite movie? My favorite movie is Beaches uh, from 1988 with Bette Midler and Barbara Hershey. It's a story about friendship. And I've seen it over 200 times. Whenever I'm sad and depressed, I watch it. And people say, when you're sad and depressed, you watch one of the saddest movies of all time. And I'm like, yeah, because it makes me feel better. And Bette Midler is one of the greatest. I mean, she is a gay icon and she's hilarious, great actress and the best soundtrack. If you ever have a chance to find the Beaches soundtrack, Mm -hmm. best soundtrack out there next to the Bodyguard, obviously. (laughs) But the uh, Beaches from 1988 with Bette Midler is my favorite movie. I have to admit, I have not seen it. I know about it. (gasps) I am taking away your gay princess points. I've not found a described version of it. You can listen to it because it's about a lady named Cece, and she's a singer, and she becomes famous. So the soundtrack, oh, like, okay. you know the song Under the Boardwalk? Yes. That's in there. Friends. All of Bette Midler's classics are pretty much in that movie. Maybe I should start with the soundtrack. That is your homework. And then Go listen it. to it. Yes. Awesome. I think that's a good plan, Shayla. Beaches by Bette Midler. Gotcha. Drag Queen gotcha. recommended. You got it. I am going to Google it right after we're done with this. Speaking of being done... We are all out of time, my friend. I'm oh, so I had such a fun time. Thank you so much for having me. It goes by so very, very fast. And for our listeners, you can find Shayla if you just check out the written blurb because the website is kind of long and random letters in some places. So check it out. The link is there in the written blurb. So we'll have you look at that. And if you're ever in Halifax, please look me up. You can find me at any pretty much of the bars and clubs here. Or you can find me at a dumpster at four in the morning. <laughs> Depending. <laughs> Spending those drink tickets. Yeah, looking for the worms, apparently. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Shayla. You have yourself a wonderful thank you so much for having me. Before we let you go, I want to share with you this quote of the day by Shayla Shenanigans herself. 
If you tried to walk a mile in my shoes, you would end up in the drunk tank. Thanks for listening to Accessing Art with Amy. This podcast is produced by me, Amy Amanti, technical production by Jacob Schumansky and Sam Robinson. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. If you'd like to reach out to the show with any of your comments, you can do so by email at feedback at ami.ca or by telephone 1-866-509-4545. Thanks again to my guest today, Shayla Shenanigans. Keep exploring. See you next time. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.